0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers.
0: Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook, a Wednesday show for you. Simon Gersberg, the creator of Shock Quality, will join us. We'll talk some Game 3 NBA Finals. Some bigger picture thoughts in terms of the finals with the Celtics and the Warriors. Also, the Knicks offseason. He's actually a big Knicks fan. And like I said, he's the creator of shot quality, which we've all seen by now. So I'd uh, be fascinated to talk to him and get his perspective on uh, all those things and, and sort of how he got started. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we'll start here. we got to start with the hockey. And set it after the game Sunday. I've been saying it the last couple days boy if the rangers ever lose this series and it's certainly on the table now that they're now the underdog again in this series at bet rivers tampa minus 136 the rangers plus 115 so that has flipped like we we figured it would uh if they ever lose they're going to lament that last period and a half against tampa on sunday in game 3 where they're up two nothing and then 2-1 going into the third and just a million penalties and these series can, can swing these series can turn on a dime and boy, you gotta worry here if you're the Rangers that that happened. Now, uh, I picked this Rangers in seven, and technically, it's still on pace because home ice has prevailed. And if home ice prevails throughout, hey, the Rangers are going to the Cup finals. So you know, but uh, you know, you're you're basically not to overstate things, but I think you're playing for your season tomorrow night in Game Five because I just. I've had a lot of faith in this Rangers team. When they were down 3-1 against Pittsburgh, I said, you know what? Hey, get this to a Game 7. Anything can happen. And it took a couple – took three comebacks, but it did happen, and they advanced. Then down Carolina. Even going into the Carolina series, nobody was picking them. They got down 2-0. I said, you know what? Just hold serve at home. Force a Game 7. Anything can happen. It certainly did. They dominated the Game 7. And coming into this series, I said, you know what? Force it – again, force it to a Game 7, and you're in good shape where – uh, becomes the flip of a coin to go to the cup final. So uh, I've been high on this Ranger team. However, if they were to lose game five, and I don't know that they will. I kind—I I lean towards them in game five. I'm starting to lose hope. Tampa just dominated them last night. But if they do lose game five, I think they are dead in game six. I do not see them getting off the mat after losing three in a row. And going into that building, Tampa with a chance to go to the cup final for the third straight year, a chance to keep their, their, their dreams at a three-peat alive, Uh, In a game six up 3 2, I just don't see Tampa losing game six at home. Even if the Rangers win game five, I I don't know that Tampa is going to be beat at home. I just, boy, ever since, I don't want to just discount the game. Obviously, the Rangers dominated the game one a week ago. Game two, uh, you know, could have gone either way, but the Rangers, look, the Rangers were up 3 1. Pretty late in that game, Tampa adds a goal to make it three-two, and then Tampa led to nothing in game three. So you don't want to just you know bury the Rangers here and, and kick dirt on your bet. I, I think look, you, you, you're going home. Uh, hopefully you get something going because T- Tampa, like I said, just dominant in, in control last night. Score three minutes into the game, they add another goal in the second period, and it just you never felt like the Rangers uh, really had a chance in the game. I mean they had some opportunities at the end of the first period. But you know, once you fall behind one nothing, I mean, Tampa's just too good. You have to score the second goal. You can't fall behind two nothing, and that's what the Rangers did. And basically, you could you could have turned the game o- uh, off after it was two nothing. Ended up being what, a four one final. So the game did stay under. The Lightning did win. Uh, I think I went back and forth, but I haven't. I think I ultimately said the Lightning and the under last night, and then the Mets and the uh, I'm sorry, the Padres and the Yankees. So we gave gave you four and zero on the picks last night. So pretty good night on the picks. Uh, on the show as the picks continue to do pretty well. But, yeah, the Rangers are underdogs tomorrow, underdogs for the series. Here at Bet Rivers, I can pull up the futures. Uh, just, go, just go to BetRivers.com, download the Bet Rivers app. And even though the Rangers do have home ice for Game 5 and, and home ice for a potential Game 7, it's a best 2 out of 3, and two, two of the games are... At Madison Square Garden, uh, the Lightning, the market is telling you, the books are telling you that they think the Lightning are significantly better because the Lightning are still favored here at Bet Rivers. Not a big favorite, not a big favorite, not as big as when it started. So you're 2 2, you got two of the three at home, you're not in terrible shape, but it is, let's see, Tampa minus 134 tomorrow, total 5.5. The juiced, uh, the the under is juiced almost to minus 140, we're at minus 139, the under at Bet Rivers. Futures, Lightning minus 155 to win the series. The Rangers plus 133. And if you want to jump in on the Rangers to win the cup, you say, you know what? I think they're going to win two out of these next three. I think they're going to win at home. The Rangers are plus 650 to win the whole thing, which not a bad price. Not a bad price. I remember it wasn't that long ago I was sitting in this exact spot when they were down 3-1 to Pittsburgh. and I think they were 50-1, to 60-1, something crazy. So sometimes it's not always what you bet. It's when you bet them. And uh, you've had some opportunities here with the Rangers at long odds and 650 isn't a crazy price, but hey, uh, all you gotta do is win two home games during the Cup final if you're sitting on a plus 650 ticket. That's uh, that's a pretty good deal. So maybe plus 650 if if you have faith in this Ranger team, do which I still do. Uh, I'm gonna stick with my Rangers in seven. I'm very nervous about it, but I do think if they can the, the game tomorrow is their season. I think if they win tomorrow and this isn't a revelation. I mean it's two two and we're in a best of three, but I think if they win tomorrow, they'll figure out a way to get a split and go to the Cup finals. If they lose tomorrow. I think they're done. So I think their season basically is tomorrow. Not that Tampa can't win a game seven in New York. Not that New York can't win in Tampa, although I I would find that unlikely. But I think their season does come down to game five, which would be tomorrow night, which is tomorrow night, right? Yeah, game five is tomorrow night. Uh, Back at Madison Square Garden, where the Rangers have won what? They only lost that one, that, that game two to Pittsburgh. They beat Pittsburgh two in a row there. They won all three against Carolina, so five in a row. And then they beat Tampa two in a row. So they've won seven in a row at Madison Square Garden. So home ice is mattered. Home ice is mattered. And they're going to need home ice to get home in this series as the Rangers are now tied 2-2 as we get ready for a game five. That will be tomorrow night, Thursday, 8 o'clock. I was just going through the schedule here. So a game six, that would mean Saturday. And then you would have a game seven on a Tuesday on the 14th all right so right now i think i think we're headed towards a game seven I, I picked it like i said seven coming in uh picked it picked it rangers and seven coming in home ice has prevailed throughout and there's no reason to jump off it although you have to be nervous here if you're the rangers uh the way that game played out so that's the hockey baseball yankees just continue to bury the twins i mean that looked like a game middle of the game that was going to get away because Judge hits a homer. They're up 2-0, two batters into the game. LeMahieu singles, Judge homers, booms, 2-0. Maybe Judge was batting third lesson. I think he was batting second. Stanton homers, you're up 3-0. And then it got a little dicey. Yankees were sloppy on defense. They made, what, four errors. Tyone, for once, the Yankees didn't get a great start. Tyone wasn't sharp. You're kind of due for a starter to give you kind of a, a mass start. And it just felt like the middle of the game, that was one that was going to get away. Yankees were sloppy. Twins were starting to make a comeback. It was 5-4. Boone was funny, the way he handled the bullpen, because he had the lefty Luecky ready. And then he lets Tyone pitch to two lefties. One of them hits a home run, another gets a base hit. Then he brings in the lefty to pitch to a righty, Sanchez. It's like, if you had the lefty ready, why don't you just pitch him to the lefty? So Boone does strange things like that with the bullpen sometimes. But the Yankees, I think in past years, that's one where you get a big lead and you let it get away and you say, man, that's one we should have won, and you just kind of move on, and those are the games at the end of the year that haunt you. Not the case this year, I and mean, this is just kind of a different team. It really feels like a different team. Uh, Rizzo finally gives him some insurance at the end. Hits a three-run homer. And that's what you like about this team. I mean, obviously, Judge, and Judge, again, another homer last night. Uh, let me see if he's still plus 300 to win the MVP. He should not be plus 300. He should be, like, even money. At some point, he should be. Uh, a minus favorite. I know you have to worry about injuries, but barring an injury. And, and, again, that's pretty early to start saying, hey, barring an injury. Like an injury is the only thing to keep this guy from winning because I know Alvarez is playing well. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. But, man, he has been dominant. Oh, he's plus 125 now at Bet Rivers. You missed your chance. I told you a couple days ago, better bet than plus 300. He's now plus 125. I think that's a better number as Trout's plus 325, Otani plus 400, Ramirez, who's having a great year, 11-1. to 1. Uh, Guerrero eighteen to one, Devers twenty one to one, Alvarez twenty five to one. The best value on the board is probably Alvarez twenty five to one because he's having a great year. Houston's having a good season, so uh, boy, he, the Judge plus three hundred was a really good number. Now it's getting closer to even money, which I think is uh, is appropriate. Uh, but back to what I was saying, what you like about this Yankee team? Obviously, they deal with the pitching, but every night it's somebody different on offense. I mean, obviously, Judges carry them for the most part, but Stanton has these little spurts where he carries you, and I'm sure he'll have another. Um, you know, two, three-week period where you can't get him out. Torres has certainly had his moments. Uh, he's had a resurgence in power. He's had moments where he's carried the team. Rizzo has had his moments. So it's, that's what you like in a team. Now, they, they certainly haven't gotten it from the Gallows and the Hicks, there's been plenty of guys that have been dead weight. But even Trevino steps up. I mean, every night it's someone different. Every night, you know, you've only got – the lineup's only, what, six or seven deep, seven at most, maybe even six at most. But they, they have had a nice habit – of every night it's somebody different uh, carrying the mail here for the Yankees. So it's good to see different guys step up. I still think they probably use another bat. They could definitely use another bat. With the way the bullpen's going, With you know, everyone can always use another bullpen arm. So uh, they can definitely use another bullpen. I think the Mets and the Yankees, both one bat, one starting – one relief pitcher. I think once the Mets get their starting pitchers back, and I think they get McGill back and this weekend against Anaheim, They're not even... Are they Anaheim anymore? The the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They play the Angels this week. McGill will be back. And I don't think they would go out and get a starter just because he expects Scherzer and DeGrom back, and DeGrom threw a bullpen last week, even though, boy, he just doesn't seem like anywhere close to coming back. It seems like he never pitches, but I think both the Yankees and the Mets will get a bullpen piece and a bat. Uh, Speaking of the Mets and their bats... Crazy night last night where Mets continue to just get hit with all of these pitches. Alonzo gets hit on the hand. Fortunately, x-rays were negative. He's going for an MRI, but that doesn't sound like he'll be out of the lineup very long. Marte pulled. What was his, his quad running to second base. He needs an MRI today. So we'll see on him. Uh, I mean, at some point you just run out of players, but Hey, the Mets, they did lose last night, but three on three on this trip is not terrible. You take it considering the injuries, considering the schedule, Considering the lead you have, you take it. That being said, uh, the Braves have played a little better now, a lot better. I think they were up to six in a row. They beat the A's last night. The Phillies won last night. It's funny. Hader had not given up a run all season. Gives up a homer to tie the game and then gives up a homer uh, as Philly takes the lead. So give up two solo homers in the ninth with a one-run lead. And he had not given up an earned run. I don't think he'd given up a run at all in the regular season since last July. Remember, he gave up a run to Freeman in the playoffs last year in that home run that put the Braves ahead and put them uh, onto the NLCS in that game four in Atlanta where Freeman took him out to left center. But he has been uh, literally you know, untouchable in the regular season. Last night he gives up two homers. So the Phillies win. They're playing better. The Braves are on a winning streak. So uh, you still got a little bit – I mean, you still got a, a decent-sized cushion here. Uh, in the NL East, what are we seven in the loss column? As I'm pulling up the standings here, but the bottom line is the, these teams are making up a little ground and they are, you know, playing better. And you figured Atlanta would play better, and even Philly's got a really good lineup and really good starting pitching. I mean, that's, I would say that's half the battle. That's even more than half the battle. Good starting pitching and a good lineup. That's a, that's a lot. I mean, the Phillies are still nine back in the loss. The Mets of the Mets ten and a half overall, so that's still a a big hill to climb for the Phillies, despite how well they're playing. But Atlanta seven in the loss, eight overall. That's I mean, there's still some distance there. There's still some distance there, but a good couple weeks by the Braves, a bad couple weeks by the Mets, and you get that to three or four. That is that that becomes sweat time for the Mets. So you want to keep that, you know, seven, eight, or above if you're the Mets, and just kind of buy time here before you can get your pitchers back and. Uh, you know, be on your way here to to hopefully pulling away with this division. But the Braves are good. The Braves have good pitching. The Braves have a good lineup. Won a championship last year, so uh, it's good to keep the the Braves here at bay. Seven in the loss, eight overall. But the Braves are playing much much better. The games today: Cortez going for the Yankees against Archer. Uh, Yankees minus one seventy at Bet Rivers. Total, what do we have? Seven, seven and a half. Feels like it's seven, seven and a half every day with the Yankees here and. The game went way over last night as the Yankees won at ten to four. As I'm pulling up the lines, pulling up my Bet Rivers app, which I do enjoy. As we have the Yankees, I think they've won a hundred. The, the the stat I saw, what was it, 110 wins and 38 losses against the Twins since 2003. I think it was so just an incredible run. Uh, Yankees up to minus 177 actually at Bet Rivers now. Wow, and the total is nine. Okay, so 177 and nine must be the Mets one I was looking at. And the Mets are plus 107 with Bassett going against Manea. That one, the total is seven. Uh, I would lean towards the under there just because I don't know if you're getting Alonzo. You're probably not getting Marte. Uh, Bassett has not pitched great lately. He's been good overall, but he has not pitched great lately. Uh, And Manea is a pretty good pitcher, so I would go under the seven there as the Mets look to avoid losing two out of three to the Padres. Do they play play the Padres again tomorrow? Are they off tomorrow? Let's look at that up. So it's a late night tonight with the uh, Mets starting at 9.40. The NBA game starts at like 9.15. It's just a joke. We do have game three of the finals tonight, which we're going to get to in a minute. That, I mean, the, the, why, why they start these games on a weekday? Even Sunday night, they started at 8.15. Why on a weekday they start these games at 9 o'clock, 9.15? And, and then they end up being blowouts. I mean, you're sitting there 11.30 at night watching a blowout. I mean, there's no point, and the ratings have not been good. So maybe they need to rethink these start times. Uh, so the Mets do play the Padres tonight, off tomorrow. Then they are in – anaheim for three then they host the brewers for three then the schedule gets a little easier against the marlins all the marlins pitching is just incredible uh four home with the marlins then at the astros for two which is not easy then back again with the marlins for three then the astros again for two that's a weird stretch here where you get two two game series with the astros mixed in with seven against the marlins so you have what 11 games so you got the brewers the angels after this game with the pro after this game with the Padres, the brewers the angels Then you have a stretch here where you get the, let's see, like I said, Angels, Brewers. Then 11 games against the Marlins and the Astros combined. So that's a a weird stretch and not an easy stretch because the Astros obviously are really good. The Marlins have a ton of pitching. I think you have to deal with the Brewers and the Angels. Angels have lost 12 in a row. So you can look at it and say, you know what? It's a good time to play them, but they're due to win at some point. And that's a lot of talent, although Trout did leave with a hamstring injury. So maybe you catch a break and you don't have to see Trout. Uh, this weekend, the Mets could certainly use a break with the injuries. Hey, they're they're down all these pitchers. They might be down Alonzo Marte, probably not Alonzo, but at least Marte for a little bit. Uh, they're not going to feel bad for the Angels if they if they're without Trout here for this series, even things out a little bit, especially with all their pitching injuries. So, still a tough schedule here for the Mets. You're not home free in this division. You're in good shape. If I told you April 1st, hey, you'll have an eight game lead. Uh, first week of June, second week of June, you would have. I mean, you would just absolutely signed up for it, especially considering. You know, Scherzer being out all this time, DeGrom being out, McGill being out, and you still have an eight game lead. You say, oh my God, what even happened? How is that possible? But there's a, a possibility with Atlanta playing better and the schedule getting really tough here these next couple weeks and staying tough that this division does get a little tighter. And uh, you just don't want to be in a position where the division gets tight and then Scherzer has a setback, DeGrom has a setback, and you're going into battle here with the Carrascos and the Walkers and the Drew Petersons of the world and the Trevor Williams and trying to hold off the Braves with those pitchers. That's going to be a tough one. That's going to be tough, but you're in good shape here. Minus 400 here to win a division or so at bet rivers. Uh, the, uh, the Mets are in good shape. The Yankees are in good shape as they continue to bury the twins. Like I said, NBA game tonight. We haven't spent a ton of time on the NBA, but we will coming back game three. It is Celtics minus three and a half at bet rivers total two twelve and a half. and the series minus 115, either way. Um, as you know, picked Warriors in seven, hoping for a long series. I think we're still on track for a long series. But coming back, the creator of shot quality, Simon Gersberg, he'll let us know who to bet tonight, why to bet him, uh, and much more. That is next. This is the New York City Cats presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, BetRivers Sportsbook. Let's talk a little NBA. We got game three of the finals tonight. Uh... And I first heard about shot quality, I think, sometime during this college basketball season. I think during March Madness, it really started to sweep the basketball world. And uh, it's here. It's become a big factor in the sports coverage, in betting coverage. And joining us is the creator of Shot Quality. It is Simon Gersberg. It's a pleasure to have you on, Simon. Thanks for coming on.
1: Of course. I really appreciate it, Well,
0: I guess we'll start here because some people listening to this probably very familiar with it. Other people vaguely familiar with it. Other people, you know, I've heard of it, but I don't really know what it is. Can you explain to people kind of what it is and how you came about it.
1: Absolutely, so essentially what it is, it's an algorithm that evaluates the quality of shot. The most important part of the algorithm, I'll go through also how it was originally created. most important part of the algorithm, it's individualized for each player in college basketball and the NBA. So for example, when Chris Paul takes a mid-range shot, I know a lot of people don't like the mid-range shot. On the website, that counts as a good shot because based off the historic performance of Chris Paul on those precise mid-range shots, he's performed very well. Uh, So basically the algorithm uses over 90 different variables to quantify the quality of each shot. Uh, Some variables are like obviously who's shooting it, uh, the distance, uh, the location, uh, open guarded. uh, Is it off the dribble versus catch and shoot? uh, Stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. Now, with anything new, and I'm sure you've gotten plenty of this, there's always going to be pushback. There's going to be skepticism, which... Yeah, you know, I think skepticism's okay. I think actually think skepticism is healthy. Uh, I think it, it gets dangerous when you become dismissive. I think there's a dis, uh, difference between being dismissive and being skeptical. In in terms of people, you know, pushing back, being skeptical, what are like the common criticisms you hear of people saying, you know what, this isn't this isn't accurate. This is right. I'm sure you've heard pushbacks to this, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely have heard pushback. Um, at times, and all I can basically do is show the data and the proof that basically it's predictive in the long run especially in these small samples when the mavericks shoot 15 percent from three in a game and they're getting open looks for good shooters like maxi kleber i'm just using a random example here uh in the long run it's going to be predictive uh, so obviously people can uh, make jokes and say stuff uh, but obviously the algorithm is back tested uh and credible and used by over 60 ncaa teams and a lot of different Uh, individual gamblers as well on the college men's side
0: yeah is there a moment where you kind of critique yourself you're like man i don't know if that's true is there a time where your eye test doesn't sort of match the data
1: um i'd say definitely in the early stages of the algorithm yes uh which is why i just had to go through so many tricks this has been like three years now in the making to get to this point um so obviously continuously to improve it it, no model is ever perfect Uh, But continuously to perfect it as much as you possibly can is like the biggest goal uh, and has been for a while and bringing new variables and other stuff that's going to be impactful from a data perspective on shot probability. Well,
0: this is a this is a betting show, and I'm sure there are people listening. And say, all right, let's get to the good part. How does this help me make money? If you're talking to a better, a handicapper, you know, how would they use your tool? It kind of walk people through, of, in, in terms of how to use this and how to sort of apply it to, you know, whether it's a game, whether it's a series price. How do we use it here to make money?
1: Uh, so I see it as, uh, and what other people have talked about it. It's basically like the quantified eye test. So a lot of good handicappers use their eye tests to come up. Okay, is this person shooting overexpected? Did he really get good looks in this game? Uh, And basically what we try to do in shot quality is quantify that. So basically figuring out, weeding out variants, weeding out small sample sizes, and figuring out in the long run, how would that team perform and how would that player perform? So there's countless examples. A good example was actually the NBA finals last year, not how it's playing out right now. Bucks down 2 0. Based off the quality of shots, uh, the algorithm had the Bucks winning both games by a pretty significant margin. Uh, and it obviously ended up turning out where those two games, they just shot terribly from three, the Bucks in those games, and they shot way under expected. They were still getting great looks. It's just the shots weren't falling. Uh, and then obviously the next two games of the series, and obviously won the next four. Oh, um, well, yeah. Uh, So that's kind of how it's used It's basically in these small samples. Is it really playing out from how your eye test is thinking? And then obviously the numbers are backing that up.
0: Anything for this specific? We can get to game three in a minute. What did you like coming into this series? I know a lot of the numbers people – Uh, whether it's Kevin Peltwin, he was saying the Celtics are going to win the title three, four months ago, back when it was really a shocking statement. I mean, this is a team that was 150-1, to not that long ago to win a title. I know 538 Models really likes the Celtics. Uh, Did you have a prediction? Did did the numbers sort of tell you which way to go here coming into this series?
1: The Celtics on the side were definitely grading out as the better team, uh, for sure, especially just how they're performing against the Bucs and the quality of possession there, especially the Heat as well. Uh, and the Warriors, um, they actually have been like performing pretty poorly in the model for the last few games this year, especially against the Mavericks series, uh, where the Mavericks were getting really good looks to get them. They just yeah. shot terribly from three that series. Uh, and the Grizzlies, too, were getting great looks. Obviously, John being hurt killed them. And then the Nuggets, they weren't really a tough matchup. Uh, but basically, just based off the numbers, I thought the Celtics were also the better team just in terms of the quality of possessions they were getting on both ends. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we didn't have a prediction, like, fully fledged with our data, but my individual prediction would have been, like, South Dixon 6 or 7.
0: Anything the first two games have taught you? I know, I, you know, this might be a valuable tool. You tweeted out, I think it was the third quarter, game one, Boston's up 15, and you tweeted out, uh, or whoever, run, you. I'm assuming you run the Twitter, the, the Twitter site, Shot Quality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I think you tweeted out, "Hey, I know the score is this, but Boston's actually getting better looks, and then Boston ends up coming coming back to win." And you tweeted out, "Hey, uh, good process eventually leads to good results." So, uh, would you say you know these first two games have taught you anything? And is your tool something where you know people can use it and, and really use it for live betting?
1: Uh, not live betting yet. So that that was live it was after the game we did that. Uh, okay. But what I will say about it is. Um, What I've took from the series, uh, game one, uh, the Celtics dominated the quality of possessions. Uh, And this is one of those cases where uh, they won the game by 12 and they were expected to win the game by 12. There'll be some games where a team loses by 20 and they're expected to win the game. It just happened to be both teams shot a little bit overexpected, uh, but the Celtics actually still got higher quality possessions. In the the second game, obviously the Warriors blew them out. uh, The quality of possession numbers were tighter. So we had the Warriors winning the game by seven. Uh, so not a significant margin, but a pretty decent margin. And the main reason for that, not necessarily that the Celtics were getting worse shots than the Warriors, but really just they turnovers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: the turnovers is a major part of the algorithm. Obviously, it counts as zero in terms of shot shot quality points. Um, so that was the major reason for why the Warriors uh, won the game two battle of shot quality
0: is it hard because you know strictly based on numbers can tell you one thing but I think we all know how these series work especially when you're down 1-0 in your home I think you play with more of a sense of urgency game 2 we not, not to go all conspiracy theory but the home team if it's down 1-0 thing, you know they're going to get more calls in game 2 does your does your kind of does your algorithm kind of weed that out that's not really part of what you guys do is it
1: uh, well the foul stuff um, fouling is a major part of the algorithm so foul probability and also uh, for example, like how many free throws you get in a game is obviously going to increase the foul probability you have in the game. Uh, so, um, fouls and turnovers are like the two things where it's less process driven and more result driven. Uh, so, like those are the parts of the algorithm that are less uh, process based. So, if a team performs and gets a lot of free throws and a lot of turnovers, you'd expect in the long run them to win that game a pretty significant, as long as their shots are decently better than the other team. Uh, so, the free throw stuff, obviously predicting out uh or because this game's home, game two, after the Warriors lost, uh, they're likely to get more calls. Game three, are they likely to get less calls? That would be an interesting part of the algorithm, obviously, to implement down the road and how that could predict out like the foul probability stuff.
0: Have you noticed any trends? I don't know how much you compare sort of your model with the betting line for the game. Have you noticed any trends in terms of like what could make people money where hey uh, the score was this in one game, but the shot quality was this, and that leads to a different result in game three. I know it's only, you know, it's a small sample size, so that's not necessarily going to always be predictive. But is there a way, like, uh, you know, for example, game three, Boston three and a half point favorites, two twelve and a half. Is there anything where you go through the numbers and you say, hey, there might be an, an angle here, there might be some value here, or an edge, you know, uh, whether it's the side
1: or the total. Something that's been really interesting on in the total of the first two games of the series. Uh, For game one, the expected total based off the shots both teams taken has been 196 in game one, uh, and in game two was 203. So both of them have really been the under uh, in both the games by a pretty significant margin um, in terms of the quality of possessions both teams are getting, weeding out the variance. Both teams have shot really well from three these first two games of the series, uh, but the pace hasn't been crazy fast. So shooting way over expected from three, both of them, and then shooting a little bit under-expected on finishes around the hoop, both of them. So that's kind of going the other way. Uh, I know the broadcasters were talking about it a lot, how the Warriors are missing a lot of bunnies, which is obviously in the algorithm.
0: Yeah, so I, yeah, I bet the under both games. I bet the under game one obviously lost. Maybe I can make a call here and I can get my money back and say, you know what, the shot quality should have been 196. Maybe I can get some sort of a, a refund, a comp, because, yeah, that was – I think the eye test match where, where both teams make 43s, and that's just you know it's part of the variance now with basketball where it's so much dependent on the three pointer. And um, I'm curious, just you know, I mean, you're obviously a fan of the game. Do you think we come to the point where there's too many threes? Does the model tell you, hey, this team's shooting too many threes? I always thought growing up, hey, threes worth more than two. These teams should shoot a million threes. I guess I was you know even at a young age ahead of my time, even though I you know I made no <laughs> money off of uh, that that genius way of thinking. But do you think we come to the point now where like, all right, these teams are just shooting way too many threes? Uh, I, I'm under the belief they. Move the three point line back because I think two things. I think it's worth too much, and I think it's too easy to make where you know these teams just get roped in. and Why not shoot 40, 50 threes? It, it, it's right there, it's makeable. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on just the crazy amount of threes these teams are shooting?
1: Uh, it's fascinating. It's obviously part of the game now. Um, and a lot of the best players in the world are actually shooting a lot more mid range. I have no issue with it. Uh, I like the game evolving. Um, However, it's going to evolve to ultimately lead to more wins and the smartest teams coming on top. Uh, so I, I have no problem with teams shooting a lot of threes. It's obviously really fascinating from a shot quality perspective. Um, what are the quality of threes you're getting? When you take more threes, are you getting more open layups then? Uh, I, I know a good example of college is like Alabama because they take so many catch-and-shoot threes, and it leads to a lot of open layups. So they get a lot of good shots around the rim because of that. Um, but uh, I, have, I have no issue with a lot of three, I think it's just devilish the game and obviously love it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just think there's a point where maybe if you moved it back, I, I think conflict at the rim, I think balance for any sport for life, but just balance is important. If you if you moved it back, you'd have teams adjusting and you get more conflict at the rim, guys trying to dunk on each other, guys trying to block each other's shots, it would balance the game a little more. Uh, again, I'm not one of these people that's, you know, back in my day in the 80s and 90s, these <laughs> games were much better. I'm not, I'm not, a, you know, of that belief, but there are some games where I think Miami shot seven of 45 from three in one of these conference finals games. And it's like, this team missed 30, missed 38 threes, not took three 30, thirty threes. They missed 38 threes. They, you reason. know, they shoot, they miss, they get it, they shoot and, and miss again. Sometimes it does get a little repetitive. Any prediction for game three in terms of the size? Of, would you go back to the under?
1: Yeah, I think the under is a pretty good play. And I also, uh, I think the Celtics, I know they've been pretty good on the road uh, in the playoffs so far, but I just think they're the better team, and I think uh, I think they're going to win it. Um, I'm not sure about Game 3 necessarily, but I do think they're the better team, and they'll probably end up winning the series.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I, I hate going back and forth. I picked Warriors in 7 before the series. After Game 1, I was like, boy, Boston just looks younger, bigger, more athletic. And if you're just picking sides, playground style, all right, Curry's the first pick, but like when's the next Warrior picking? Because after that, it's Tatum and it's Brown. Then, you know, the Warriors just don't have that second best player with Clay's sort of deterioration. So uh, I would certainly worry about that. Did you have a a number of games in mind? you think this is a longer
1: series? Yeah, I think it goes six or seven. I just don't think the Warriors win the turnover battle by that much uh, in game three. Um, I think they got a ton of steals, Draymond's pressure, Steph's pressure. Steph played really good defense in game too. Uh, it's just I just don't think that's going to happen for the rest. I think it might happen maybe one more time in the series, but the Warriors don't traditionally win the turnover battle. They're actually one of the right. highest turnover rate teams in the NBA. Uh, so I would be I would be surprised uh, if they win the turnover battle by seven again, which I think is why I would pick the Celtics.
0: Right. I think the the one if you're making a case for Golden State, and I agree with you, uh, you know, life on the line. I would pick Boston. Although it's interesting, the betting market has this basically a toss up. And Boston has home court now because there's five games left at most, and Boston's going to have three of them. So Boston has home court, and I think they're the better team. A lot of people think they're the better team. The betting market is is pretty much split on it, which is, is interesting. But if you're going to make a case for Golden State, I would say Curry really – you know, he's played well, but he hasn't gone nuclear yet. Uh, Clay has not played well, so maybe you get a Clay game. Yep. And I think two things, too. Um, Gary Payton Jr. coming back, I think, could give Golden State a lift. And Robert Williams just does not look healthy. He's limping up and down the court, so – Maybe Golden State, maybe that swings it a little bit. Uh, I guess I could ask you that uh, as well. Do, do these, you know, algorithms, these metrics, tell you which lineups are, are you know, more optimal, less optimal, and you know what groups these these teams
1: should be playing? That's actually not something we have uh, for NBA. For college men's, we do for our okay. coaching clients and college women's, uh, but um, not for NBA. It's something we're looking forward to uh, moving forward, though, for sure interesting
0: now when did this start because i you know the first uh I don't know if shot quality was related to this, but the Knicks last year, everyone said they were a fluke because they were giving a lot of wide open threes and teams were just missing them at a, at a crazy rate. And a lot of saying, you know what, that's not going to continue next year. And it really didn't. The Knicks played pretty well at the end of uh, this year, but they went from being a four seed to, you know, missing the playoffs and missing it by a wide margin. When did you start this? And can you think of some examples where, uh, you know, your your algorithm is predictive of these teams and how they'll perform over the course of a season?
1: Well, the Knicks example is pretty uh, – hits a little home to heart. Uh, uh, hits straight to heart here because they, they're my team. I'm, I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, and I'm not sure if that was my tweet, but um, the Knicks overperformed the model like crazy last year. So they were 42 and 35, and based off the quality of possessions they had, uh, they are expected to be 29 and 48. Uh, a majority wow. of that is due to guys like Randall and RJ shooting way over-expected for the year. So the model will adjust when guys like Julius and RJ shoot that high, but uh, not crazy. So, like, for example, Julius shot 41% on a pretty big sample. uh, After being a career 33% shooter for his entire career. So the model had him around 36.5%, 36% three-point shooter. And with that that baseline, they had the Knicks as a pretty bad team even still. It's just him shooting that high for the whole season. Then obviously, he came back to earth again, and now he's back to that 33 number. Uh, so the Knicks is actually a great example. And then obviously, using that for futures for the following year is fascinating with the teams that overperform and underperform the model. Uh, the Cavs this year were one of the best examples. Midway through the year, they were one of the top teams. And we had them as like the 20th best team in the league. Uh, yeah, 19th best team uh, midway through the year. And then the Mavericks on the other way, the first 25 games of the season, uh, they were close to 500. Uh, and we had them at like seven games above 500. Wow. And same with the Celtics, too, at that midway point. Uh, so it really is predictive, especially uh, in the smaller samples when those teams are just getting bad. Three-point variance lock on the defensive end, offensive end, uh, and figuring out which ones are going to be the, the ones to go up or down moving forward.
0: Did, does your do your numbers go back to the bubble? Because I remember a lot of people making the point the Lakers really got you know got a bunch of guys hitting above their you know above their batting average so to speak in terms of three point shooting. Whether it was Morris Rondo, does your does your model go back to the bubble? Yes, it does. Did that bear out in the finals in, in that playoff run where they just shot a ridiculous rate from three compared to expectation? Um. Have done too much. If I'm putting you on the spot, it's not a big deal. I mean, I was just curious because that's one that I. No, no,
1: it, it is really fascinating. I wish I could look into it a little more. Uh, I, I don't remember the data on that too much, uh, but I could see it had the Lakers as the top team in terms of quality of shots, neck and neck with the Bucks. The Bucks, the last two years, have been the top team on the side. Basically, I guess the Lakers 2020 were right there with them, uh, and then this most recent year, uh, it was basically a tie between the Suns, Mavericks, and Jazz. Uh, And the Celtics were pretty close, too, uh, close fourth.
0: All right, man. Well, this was fun. You're a huge college basketball fan and you're a Knicks fan. Who do you want the Knicks to get? What do they have, uh, the 11th pick, 12th pick? Anyone in particular you want
1: them to get? Uh, I love Malachi Brandon. I like him a lot from Ohio State. Uh, Dyson Daniels from the G League. I like – we just need a high-field guy. That's that's what I'm looking for, Uh, somebody to plug next to RJ. Uh, There's no star point guard in this draft besides Ivy, so – I'd rather just a guy who I know will be a good NBA player, like Dyson or Malachi.
0: How about the kid from Memphis? Is it Duran Durand? It was. I know yeah, that he's yeah, yeah he's young. He's got high upside. That's something I, I seen him mocked to the Knicks. Is that someone that you'd have interest in?
1: Um, yeah, he's uh he's interesting. Uh, I I'm always against drafting centers, but he basically is um he has some upside just because of his potential versatility on the defensive end and being able to guard smaller guys, too. He's so athletic. Uh, So, yeah, I I do like him a lot and think uh, he could have some potential for sure.
0: Are you into giving up all your picks and your young players for Mitchell? I wouldn't do that. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's good enough defensively. I I, I take him on my team. I wouldn't be mortgaging the future for him. What are your thoughts on Mitchell here before we get you out of here?
1: I love Donovan. Uh, Okay. Just, like, Hart, I feel like he would just, like... He would be the face of New York City if he came to the Knicks. Uh, I'm not sure about giving up RJ for him, though, because RJ's really, really blossomed. Uh, to have a 21-year-old wing who's improved as much as he has in his first three years, I would be nervous doing any deals and uh, trading a guy like that. Just He's had some of the most insane jumps from a rookie. Like I, I didn't think rookie year projecting him out, he was going to be anywhere where he is now yeah it's interesting because it
0: defeats the purpose if you're going to trade barrett for mitchell it defeats the purpose but then if you're going to go all in just mortgage every pick you know anthony davis paul george style for mitchell well then you're just you're kind of pigeon your pigeonholing yourself team is like what you're going to be a three or four seed at best so i don't know that you have the type of hand here to go all in but uh it's fascinating man i appreciate you coming on i'm going to get you out of here just let everyone know where they can find your work and uh everything you're doing
1: thank you so much really appreciate it well
0: yeah, no problem. Well, you're at ShotQuality on Twitter. Where else can people find you?
1: Yeah, ShotQuality, um, Shot underscore quality, and uh, shot quality Bets as well. Uh, we're going to start releasing stuff for the NBA starting next year, and we'll obviously have the college men's stuff and college women's stuff uh, also for next year.
0: Yeah, it's a must-follow if you're watching these games, if you're betting these games. So check it out. Appreciate you coming on man. We'll have to do it again uh, down the road here.
1: Cheers. See you all.
0: All right, thank you to Simon Gersberg, the creator of Shot Quality. Enjoyed having him on, learned a lot. That was fun. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoyed that too. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk some Rangers Game 5, Yankees, Mets, the usual, probably a little recap of Game 3 of the NBA Finals. So looking forward to it. Big day for the Rangers tomorrow with their season pretty much on the line. Uh, So we'll be back tomorrow. Don't forget to rate, review, download, subscribe, go to Spotify, leave us a five-star review. Uh, we would appreciate it. Retweet it. Tell your friends. So be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This is the New York City cast presented by River Sportsbook.